Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week we have my friend Naomi of the Lifestyle Edit joining us. She is an international speaker, business coach for female entrepreneurs, and the founder and CEO of the Lifestyle Edit. She became the youngest editor at a national newspaper in the UK at the tender age of 22, y'all, and spent her corporate career working at some of the leading newspapers in London. I love this conversation because Naomi is so business savvy and took everything she learned in the editorial world and funneled it into a business equipping female entrepreneurs. I absolutely love our conversation. As I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, we met in an interview over for the Lifestyle Edit where I was joining her as the guest and I said, girl, we have to have you on the Radiant Podcast. We could talk for days. So I know you're going to love this interview as much as I did. Naomi is just so business savvy. And again, I could listen to her unpack her wisdom for days. As always, if you love this episode, screenshot it, tag Naomi and I, tag the Lifestyle Edit. Tell us what you loved about it. What were our talking points that you found most helpful? It really helps us understand what you love, what you love hearing us chat about, and it spreads the word about this episode so that your friends can hear about the Radiant Podcast and hear about my conversation with Naomi. We love it when you help us share about this podcast so that we can get it into more listeners' ears. But guys, I'm not going to jab any longer. I'm going to let us dive in because you got to hear this conversation with Naomi. Hey, Naomi. Hi, Kelsey. I am so pumped to have you on today. I got to meet you recently and we just could chat for hours or really days. And I loved our conversation. So it was only fitting to have you on here. I am so pleased to be here. So thank you so much for having me. I would love for you to start by sharing your story, who you are, what you do, all of the things, because I find what you do so interesting. Well, thank you. So my background is as a fashion editor based in London. I was worked in newspapers for many years and there was I was kind of my my publishing career was happening at a time where print was really in a state of flux. You know, things were going on online. We were losing our pages. Um, Lots of print magazines were thinking about how they were going to survive and thrive in this new digital world. And as my, I thought when I first embarked on my career that it was really the product that really excited me, but it was actually, you know, having that opportunity to be able to kind of be a fly on the wall in these incredible companies and speak to these founders that had built these, inc- these incredible businesses. And the downside with all of the flux that was happening in publishing at the time was that I would get access to these incredible people and spend a considerable amount of time with them. But I'd always go back to the office and with like hours upon hours of transcripts and there just wasn't a place for it. It always get reduced down to, you know, they have a new collection out or they're working on this collaboration, this new project. It comes out next week, go and buy it. And it was just so frustrating for me. And as I was kind of scanning the landscape, when it came to that kind of entrepreneurial career 
based content there just wasn't anything out there on one side you had the very kind of fortune 500 corporate kind of entrepreneurship of you know your Forbes and magazines like that and then with the consumer magazines that I read or had worked at it was very aspirational to the point that it just bared no resemblance on my lives or the lives of my peers Um, so I really wanted to create a space that kind of housed all of this information because I felt like I was getting an MBA in business um, just by interviewing these incredible people. And one of my last interviews, actually, in my last job was with Tamara Mellon, who was the co-founder of Jimmy Choo. And she was just a phantom of knowledge. And there were so many things that she was saying that was off the record. And I was like, these are the things that women who are embarking on their entrepreneurial journey need to hear. Why am I not finding this information? So that's where the lifestyle edit was born. I really wanted to create a space that housed those stories and the totality of those experiences, not just the amazing triumph moments but the opportunities the challenges the the sliding doors moments and you know that whole kind of 360 view on what it takes to kind of launch and scale a successful business but also aside from that just the strategy side too because I think what made the kind of now we have so many platforms that are really amazing and offering kind of career advice but what I've been really committed to do from the from the beginning was Give that inspiration and that relatable story, but also back it up with strategy. So I'm always looking for women who are willing to also kind of break down the strategies that have contributed to that success too. So we started off as a content platform, but in many ways we were kind of a little bit ahead of the curve. So people weren't kind of writing about entrepreneurship in the way that they are now. Um, And people, from my past, from a brand perspective, didn't understand what the kind of financial model would be. They were like, you know, they were still kind of positioning me as a fashion editor and were wanting to work with us on collaborations and sponsored posts in relation to me as a fashion editor in style. And that had nothing to do with what we wanted to do. So I was like, I when I first started, I was like, yes, everybody's going to get this. This is going to be amazing. And they didn't. Um, so One of the the great things is that in my former life, I was the kind of go-between. I was obviously on the editorial side, but it was my responsibility as an editor to bring money into my section. The more money I had in my section, the more pages I got and the more resources that I had to execute on those pages. So I'd always kind of been the go-between between the kind of needs of the brands and the whole commercial side and also you know, the standards and the goals that we had editorially. So as the business was going through, we're kind of finding our feet and what our kind of revenue model would be. Um, We actually accidentally started TLE Studio, which was a consulting limb of our business where we were helping brands who were also in that state of flux. You know, all of a sudden they were having to think about online, you know, doing a 24 by four in a publication just didn't work anymore. They had to create their own editorial voices. They needed to be offline and creating events and engaging with influencers and things like that. So we became a 360 agency supporting these brands. 
Um, and I started spending a lot more time in the US and then ended up being kind of the go-between for a lot of British brands that either had a foothold in the States but hadn't actually done anything proactively or people who were trying to kind of make that transition. And I was meeting small business owners all the time too. So our client roster just quickly grew. Um, so that is kind of how our business transitioned. And then about a year and a half ago, after a lot of questions from our audience and people just saying, when are you going to do this? I really wanted to pivot again and take a lot of the strategies that I'd learned both from my former life and then also working with these, you know, multinational to kind of mom and pop businesses kind of along the gamut um, and bring them to people who were starting their businesses who may have been doing something completely different or were an expert in a specific area of their product or service, but needed that support to really take that idea and scale. So now the majority of my time is spent working one-on-one and in groups as part of um, our coaching programs. Wow. So I have so many questions stemming from, you know, how your story has unfolded. I find it so fascinating. One of the things you said about midway through was, you know, people didn't get it at first. And I think that's a pretty common sin, um, especially if you're doing anything in the online space. I remember sitting down when I first gotten started and telling my friends about what I was doing and being so excited. And it was the most anticlimactic and thus disappointing (laughs) experience ever because they just didn't really have a grid for it. And so what would your advice be to someone and how did you navigate kind of conceptualizing something people didn't really get at first that didn't land you had a vision for what it could become and you had to pioneer that how did you navigate that I think one of the things that really helped me was that I didn't rely on the new thing that I was trying to spearhead for my survival right and I think that's the problem people start something new whether that is creating a new niche or product category or just branching into entrepreneurship and doing something that they weren't doing before they they put so much pressure on it from the beginning to be the thing that pays their mortgage and I think it it makes you have to make compromises that you shouldn't be making in the beginning so one of the things that I've learned is not to be precious so I could see that at the time brands just were not getting it and that revenue model just wasn't going to be the one for us. So I started to think, okay, so I don't want to dilute our content. I don't want to have to st- compromise on the partners and that we're working with and the content. So how can I make sure that I'm keeping this content as pure as possible, that I'm over delivering on value and slowly but surely really cultivating a tribe? Okay, so I already have these skills how can I create another source of revenue that still makes sense under the umbrella of my business, but gives me the resources to then pump into what my real why was, which was about creating this content that really supportive, creative female entrepreneurs. So my advice would be don't put so much pressure on this new area. Very often when we're kind of leaving our former jobs, we want to completely move away from it but especially in that zone of kind of transition 
We have so many skills and so much that we can offer. I would say get a few clients, get some people um, that you can work with and really kind of sell your expertise. So that can really fund you in keeping your baby really pure and getting it out there and kind of cash flow you as you're building that momentum. Oh, I could not agree more. And I've had to do that in my own journey. I think some people know this, some people don't, but I run an Instagram agency that is not even on my website. You know, that really operates word of mouth, but that is about 80 to 90% of my income. And that's allowed me to create other things from a place of freedom. It's allowed me to, you know, the money I make from courses put back into scaling those courses or making them better. It's allowed me to write from a place of not demanding something from it immediately. And so I'm a big fan of have something that provides a cash flow to really build out those dreams the right way without pressure, without demanding so much of it too soon. Totally, totally. And I think in doing so, we've been able to scale our business really slowly but steadily um, because we haven't been under pressure to, you know, come up with new things to sell to people. So every transition that we've made in our business is because we have a captive audience who have said, we want this. So when we started doing workshops, it's because people were like, okay, this is amazing that we get to have access to all of these resources, but I want to be able to learn these strategies in person. And we tested it and we said, okay, we're thinking about doing this, you know, put a deposit down if you really want to sign up and we'll make it happen. And people did that. So we test things like that and then we scale up. So having that flexibility to really give so much to your audience that then you're getting this feedback um, and people who are like, oh my God, if you're giving me this for free, can you imagine what it's going to be like in one of your paid offers? And then allowing them to shape those paid offers. You know, I don't think that you can do that without feeling under pressure if you don't have that additional kind of resource to kind of allow that to happen in an organic aligned way. I 100% agree. And in the interviews you've been able to do with these women who have built empires, have you seen some common threads like that? Yes. So I think that's one of the incredible things about running a business in this digital age is that you're able to get that feedback in real time. And I think one of the things that's really empowered me is this recurring theme of testing things and iterating. And now, so it's not so much about failure. I think I I was watching a YouTube video with Will Smith where he said that um, if you're not failing, you're not, you know, you're not doing enough, like <laughs> successful people, because they they look at trying new things as with an air of curiosity, not that, you know, our whole identity is kind of weighted down on the outcome of this new idea or this new offer. Um, and that's something that I see throughout the women that I interview is this curiosity to be like, let's test it with our audience. Let's see how they respond. If they respond positively, then we'll scale it back. If it doesn't, what can we learn from that? And I think once you start to master your mindset in that way, like there's, there's no stopping you. 
Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question. How do you master your mindset to not let those failures make it say something about you? I think it's an ongoing process. I always say that success is an inside game. So I don't think it's one of those things that is kind of a one and done. Like, okay, now now I kind of get this and it's not. For me, it's an ongoing process. And because success isn't just a, okay, I've arrived moment. It's an constant ongoing thing. And you know, you're every time you up level, every time you reach for a challenge that kind of pushes you outside of your comfort zone, you know, the mindset work has to come with that. I always think of it as a tree. The bigger the tree is on the surface, the deeper the roots have to be. And the, the roots represent the mindset, right? So it's in, as our dreams and what we're doing and achieving grows, we need to make sure that we're doing the mindset work to hold that up, to facilitate that. And when I look at the things that I'm doing today compared to two years ago in my business, hands down, it's because of the mindset work and setting those roots. Oh my gosh, I cannot agree more. I feel like I say all the time, I think part of my move to Colorado was to meet Catherine Toon, who's been a guest on this podcast, who has helped me steward my mindset in a way that has changed the trajectory of my life and really allowed me to steward my business to the fullness of what it can be. And I, I think there's another friend, Kate Crocker, who's been instrumental as well as some business mentors, Amber and Anne, who, again, people hear me talk about here on, on the podcast all the time because each of them has been a key component in helping me get my mind right. Because I've worked on, on teams where someone has a big vision or a big dream, but that mindset stuff isn't hashed out or that stewardship stuff isn't hashed out. I am a big believer that that dream will not be carried to its fullest potential if everyone's suffering in the process. All right, guys, you know, if I'm timing out the podcast right in the middle of some really juicy conversation, it has to be for a great reason. Well, it is. The FabFitFun seasonal subscription box is available right now, and it's something I look forward to seeing on my doorstep every few months. So I asked them for a coupon code so my tribe here at the Radiant Podcast could enjoy it too. I'm that into it. These boxes sell out fast. So you have to really jump on it, but I'm telling you, it's because they're so good. They're packed full of products from beauty, wellness, to fashion and fitness. You'll find everything from Tarte Beauty products, items from anthropology, free people, which if you've been with me for a while, you know I love, Juice Beauty, Trina Turk, Bear Paw Chi, Kate Somerville, and that's only a few of the brands. There's a huge variety. One of my favorite items I've seen was the Moroccan Gold Series Treatment Mask. Talk about feeling like a queen, but whenever they send, it's always trending brands, high quality, full size, y'all, full size, products that really get you ready for the season ahead. The box retails for $49.99, but always, and I mean always, has a value of over $200 inside. You know me. As an Enneagram 7, the word fun speaks my language, y'all, and these boxes are just that, fun. Every time I open one, it feels like my own personal boutique in a box. But what I love about these boxes is there really is something inside for everyone, no matter what products or brands you love. Best part, they're customizable to the types of items you'd prefer to receive. And they always end up having so much inside that I give some of the products I love to friends. I know my friends would love them, and I like to have a gift that keeps on giving, right? Check out 
fabfitfun.com and use the code radiant10 so you can save $10 off your first box, making it only $39.99. You guys, I would never promote something I don't love and believe in. And this really is such a seal. I mean, you never hear ads on this podcast, right? So if I'm talking about it, I really, really love it. I just had to get this code for you guys and that code radiant10 will work forever. So no matter when you're hearing this episode go live, you can snag that radiant10 code and go over to fabfitfun.com and use it for $10 off your first box. So let's get after it. Go treat yourself. You deserve some fun and glam in your life. I've worked on, on teams where someone has a big vision or a big dream, but that mindset stuff isn't hashed out or that stewardship stuff isn't hashed out. I am a big believer that that dream will not be carried to its fullest potential if everyone's suffering in the process. It is so true. And one of the things that I'm learning constantly is that our dreams are always on the other side of the discomfort, right? So when I have those moments where like I'm feeling triggered by something, it's like remembering that this is such an opportunity for growth. So, you know, it's like, I remember when I did my first supper club and that we announced it and all my first retreat and you're like, oh my God, is anyone going to ever show up? Show up. It's And, you know, you have to sit with that and be like, no, honestly, why am I feeling triggered by this? Where are these thoughts coming from? Where do I still need to heal? Where do I need to still do some work? So oftentimes that the discomfort and those feelings of being triggered are actually an invitation for us to kind of go deeper. And always, always, always the goodness is on the other side of that. I 100% agree. And I've been in a season of discomfort for a while, but I always, one of my kind of like statements is always believing like an upgrade is around the corner when it gets hard and messy like you can choose to believe like that those hard seasons are your new normal life sucks blah 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 or you can say you know what an upgrade is around the corner and when I've leaned into that as simple as it sounds and honestly as silly as that might sound to someone I've actually seen the fruit of that in my life totally and I think it's really important for us to be able to distinguish between discomfort that is supporting us and discomfort that is giving us a sign that it's not in alignment too because I think you know this you're so easy to kind of scroll through things like Instagram and see these inspirational quotes and that's saying you know push through you know keep going sometimes when you're triggered it's not about pushing through it's actually the universe giving you a sign that actually this is not in alignment and again the more we invest in that time to do that mindset work and getting really attuned with ourselves we're able to distinguish between the two I'm all about it does this feel like a stretch which feels good or does this feel like a strain Ooh. Man, you are full of some good words today, Naomi. So how do you really measure alignment? Because last year, that wasn't my word for the year, but that was my focus for the year. It was all about like, what is life giving versus life sucking? What no longer feels necessary or vital for me to spend my time on? And some of that meant delegating. Some of that meant eliminating. Sometimes we have to do tasks that are just not fun in our business. And I'm, you know, (laughs) I don't hear me saying like, oh, just don't do what you don't feel like doing. Like no one ever built a business that way. But... I am a big fan of really measuring what is life-giving versus life-sucking and really getting into alignment in your business. So what would be some of your tips for that? Yeah, I think it's, again, sitting with like, if something isn't feeling good, 
again, is it a stretch? Is it a strain? Is it because it's about being able to understand whether it feels good or not? And, you know, when I was making that transition between our service base, you know, done for you service business to now coaching, by the end of that business, financially, it sounded great on paper, but it just no longer felt good. Like I was getting what I call the Sunday scaries for my own business. How sad is that when you're you're getting like on Sunday that, oh my God, feeling on, you know, about a Monday morning. And my, the turning point for me was that my boyfriend was giving a, um, donating a bone marrow and he was having the more invasive surgery. I never take time off, but I was so overloaded with client work. And I said to everybody in advance, like, okay, I'm taking a day, I'm taking a day off because I have to be in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. Of course, a random meeting that did not need to happen was scheduled for that day and I couldn't get out of it. Long story short, my boyfriend ended up waking up from his operation with nobody there. And I had to so I dashed up there. The hospital's calling me being like, you know, he's awake. There's nobody here. We can't like discharge him on his own. And so I had to call a friend of his to like jump in an Uber and like take him home because I couldn't even take him home. I had to go back to working on with this client. And it was such a come to Jesus moment for me because I was like, why am I doing this? This, this no longer feels good. And I realized that actually nobody else was to blame but me. I had transferred a lot of the type A overachiever, people pleaser, you know, give me more work mentality from my old job. And which was many of the things that made me so unhappy in my old job. I just transferred it to my business. And I'm a firm believer that when a student is ready, the teacher will appear. And around that time, I can't remember how it happened, but I came across Danielle Laporte's book, The Desire Map and The Fire Starter Sessions. And in those books, she had this section, I can't remember which one between the two, but definitely pick up both because they're amazing. And she was just like, how do you want to feel? Like when you wake up in the morning, how do you wake up? How do you feel in your body? What's the sensations? And really mapping out the detail of what that looks like. And it it sounds so simple, but I think it's one of those things that not a lot of us <laughs> really get the time to just sit with. And I just was able to get so much clarity. Even with clients, we made a bit of a transition with the types of clients that we are working with. And again, I did that. How do I want to feel? And I started looking at my clients and I was like, wow, with these self, what is it about these clients that every time I see them on my calendar, I'm so excited. Every time I see their name pop up on my inbox, it just makes me happy. How can I get more of that? Even down to the way that my weeks are structured. So for example, um, before I used to have client work on a Monday and sometimes it kind of felt like a uh, straight impact going straight into kind of giving and facilitating first thing on a Monday morning. Now I have Mondays that are all for kind of business development, the kind of vi- me being the visionary in my business and just taking that time, just as simple as the way I structure my weeks has been so life-giving so that I'm able to, when I am with clients on a Tuesday, 
I am so pumped up. I am so aligned because I have made my alignment a priority in all of these things. So I think it's about, like I said, understanding how you want to feel and who you need to work with that enables you to show up as the best version of yourself, the most high vibe, the most connected, and who inspires you to do your best work. And then also making sure that you frame your days and your weeks in a way that facilitates that kind of high vibe energy. I I couldn't agree more. Um, really went through at the beginning of this year, actually restructuring my week in a way that this is going to feel energizing. It's the same tasks I've been doing, but what's a way I can structure this so that I feel energized? And so I put actually most of my meetings on Tuesdays moving forward so that Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I, you know, Mondays, if I needed to do nothing because I had traveled all weekend or something like that, I could rest if I needed to. Tuesdays could be kind of the start of my week with meetings. And then also one of my biggest excuses for working out was that I had meetings. I've got to get home because I have a meeting at this hour. (laughs) Then there's only 30 minutes between that and the next meeting. And my calendar was just wide open all of the time. And I said, you know what, the the best way to make sure I'm going to not flake out on myself for working out, which is a priority this year, it is how I want to steward my health so I can carry my dreams further. I'm going to make my calendar a lot more open and working out is the first thing I do in the day and I don't have to have the stress of, well, I have all these meetings afterward. Nope, I have I have my content creation to do after that and that can be done at any time of the day. And so I, I really restructured it in a way that would, would care for myself in the year ahead. And right now that feels great. If I get to a place where it doesn't feel great anymore, I'll restructure my calendar again. Exactly. That's the key thing. I think because so many of us have spent so long in corporate roles, we forget that that's one of the many blessings of running the show, that we have that flexibility. And I think for me, I'm expecting my first baby in the summer. And just thinking about that and like what type of parent I want to be has also really kind of made me think about the way that I structure my days and you know, so that I do have that time also to be kind of present once once my babies arrive. So yeah, it's all of these all of these little things and just kind of honoring the season of your life that you're in. I would love to hear about how you plan to really make this transition into juggling your work and your business baby and the baby you're bringing into the world in the summer. I would love for you to share because that's something, you know, I think about a lot. I don't have kids yet, um, but it seems like that season is approaching. I built this business so that when I did have kids, I could have the freedom to be with them and to, you know, work from home. What does that look like for you? So we are definitely still kind of in the weeds of it, but I think one of the biggest things for me has been, surrendering more and really kind of surrendering but having really nailed down systems so I have um, a team of three other people um, and they are amazing but I think like many entrepreneurs there are certain things that you've just always done it and you you've you're 
you fool yourself into thinking, do you know what? It's so much quicker for me to just do it myself than to explain it. Um, so so many things like that, that I was still doing. And I was talking to my coach and she was like, Naomi, you're about to have a baby. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it may feel in your mind that it's a lot quicker, but it's not sustainable. You're doing the same tasks over and over again. So I've really been investing a lot in documentations, getting lots of instructional videos, like screen shares, literally anything that I do more than once in a week, just getting that all sorted. Even if we don't have somebody that does that role right now, just getting it done so it's ready to you know, ready to go. Fortunately, one of my team members went on maternity leave. So that really pushed me last year to kind of get a lot of those, um, the documentation done. So even now already, just at the start of the year, where before I was, you know, doing a seven till five, I kind of wrap my days up. Typically, if I'm not with clients, midday around lunchtime because now the systems are already working really hard for us other things that we've thought about is you know really kind of drilling down on our funnels how can we make things more automated so really mapping out the customer journey and making sure that people feel really held even though we're trying to automate as much of that as possible things like our welcome sequence in our newsletter before it used to last for two weeks we we actually now have a six month funnel. Um, so we're making sure that we are like plowing new people with amazing content, um, really getting more sophisticated and tagging people. So we're sending them content that they want when they need it. So that, you know, if something happens and there's a reason that I haven't done that newsletter, it doesn't mean that they're not still getting great content. So we're really focused on processes and automation and also just really empowering my team to make executive decisions without having to run through me. So even creating processes in, you know, big decisions, you know, giving them kind of an idea of what I'm kind of thinking and then they can make kind of executive, a framework, and then they can make executive decisions based around that. So that's really exciting because it means that I can kind of confidently take a step back and not even just take a step back just to have free time, but just to have that time to also step into that CEO role. Sometimes, like you said, going, working out, just having that time away and going from your head and into your body, actually that you get so many ideas just by stepping away and doing new things. And that's something that I wasn't able to do before. So having that clear space in my diary in the afternoons has been amazing. So yeah, definitely systems and working on our funnels and automation. I cannot recommend it enough. Where would one get started on that? Because I'm in the exact same season and it's a, it's an all-consuming process. And so I feel like our listeners are going to hear that and be like, where the heck do I start on something like that? You know, what would be some resources you would recommend? And I'll, I'm trying to rack my brain right now. I, I'm in a mastermind where, you know, my mentor Amber is heavily focused on systems and scaling. So that's been insanely impactful to me because that's not my sweet spot. 
my sweet spot is bringing a dream to life and um, getting that vision off the ground. And then I send them on their way to Amber for systems and scaling. But it's not something I naturally am great at. And so it's been like a pretty, like I said, all-consuming process. So I'll give you a live example. So we have created a freebie that I'm really, really proud of. It is all kind of focused on service-based service-based entrepreneurs and it's really breaking down how to grow your rates and double your income in a way that feels really aligned. So it's kind of, you, you know, an easy blueprint of all of the things that you need to be thinking about and considering to make that happen. So that is a freebie. So we have that as the, the, the downloadable. Um, We are doing both free and paid promotion into that freebie. So we have Facebook and Instagram ads, but I'm also always talking about it on the Lifestyle Edit podcast. We have it in pride of place on the website. We talk about it when I'm on other people's podcasts. I'm sharing it on stories. So whenever I am kind of recommending a resource, I'm always kind of talking about it or I'm thinking about new ways to kind of share insights that really funnels people into that. Then we have an amazing nurture sequence that goes after people opt into that. And even on the thank you page and in the sequence, we invite people to hop on a discovery call with me if they would like to find out, go into these kind of strategies deeper because sales and aligned sales is at the heart of what I teach my one-on-one and my group clients. So you can see that I've basically splintered off some of the strategies I teach my clients so people are able to get a kind of flavor of the way I teach, my approach. Um, And then I'm inviting people to get on a free discovery call with me. And the reason why we do a free discovery call as opposed to going straight into a program is that especially if people are cold traffic and they've never encountered your work before, it's very unlikely that they're going to go straight from a freebie into a paid offer. So you want to be able to, you're nurturing them through that sequence that follows on after they get that freebie. And it's an opportunity for you to also learn about their needs and the transformations that they're looking for. So you're getting an incredible market research, but you're also filling your your discovery call calendar. Um, and it's your opportunity to really see whether there's a potential for you to support them in achieving those transformations that they're looking for. So it's really amazing to be able to have a funnel like that up and running where every week you can see that all of your slots for discovery calls for whatever service you're offering are just full automatically without you having to do a lot of that manual work. So that's an example. I hope that's helpful. Oh, so helpful. And I think people are kind of just like soaking up with whatever they can get to really streamline their systems and their process. So I'm so glad they could even book a call to chat with you about that. Because again, I love to play the role of the connector. Um, And if it's something that I can't provide for my people, I love to provide a contact and a point of reference for someone that, that can help them with that. So 
check out Naomi for all of your systems. Because, Thank you. Um, because again, that is something that I find to be an all-consuming task, but so worth it. You know, passive income isn't truly passive, but you can systematize it in a way where you can, you know, not be trading your time for money, but instead really providing something of value to your people, providing something that's helpful to people, but in a way that allows you to live your life. So Naomi, okay. Tell everyone where they can find you, how they can connect with you. I think we're going to have some people who are really interested in working with you. Yeah, so head on over to thelifestyleedit.com. Sign up to our newsletter. I'm always sharing lots of insights and things that I'm learning and teaching my clients about all things entrepreneurship and scaling a business. So definitely join us there. Um, and if you head on over to the lifestyleedit.com forward slash shop, we have so many free resources like the one that I mentioned to get you started also. And then on Instagram, we are at the lifestyle edit and you can check out our podcast on iTunes to the Lifestyle Edit Podcast. Woo, it was such a joy to have you on. I think there were so many golden nuggets from this conversation. And again, we'll have to have you back, Naomi. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Kelsey. This has been awesome. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other.